do you want to do an autopsy on these dead kittens? And I remember being like, not really, but you seem really excited about it, so I guess I'll try. And I was just oh sitting God. in the corner cutting up cat fetuses, just oh no, just checking them out. And my parents were like, this is, see, you got a front row seat in science, dude. Look at this. You're going to be a head in anatomy class like 10 years from now. You're going to be looking back like, I already know what's in the cat. You know, Zuri, the uh, the first message, I actually have it up on, on my Twitter right now. The first DM you ever sent me, sending me your Skype in uh, 2013. Wow. And then in 2016, so the next time that we talked, and I said, Andrew, you raised the ire of the SJWs. You go to a place I cannot willingly follow. Godspeed, brave soul. And then you said, haha, thanks. To? That was the last time we talked before this. I have no idea. That was actually going to ask you that. Twenty six. What? What? Uh, what month of twenty sixteen? Uh, um, November. November eighteenth. Okay, I'm going to take a guess here. I think this is when No Tail said f- on the BTS Summit broadcast, and there was a huge outrage. And I tried to defend him on Twitter. I came to his honor. This was twenty sixteen. Times were different, and I think I said something like. I want to live in a world where people are free to express themselves without fear of ramification from an overlord. Something to that effect. And I think people were pretty upset about that. Does that timeline seem accurate? When did no I just typed it in. Uh, homophobic slurs in Dota 2, an article by Scants, November 23, 2016. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. You are, you're Dude. totally on point. I think I sniped it because I that is uh, talking about Twitter regret moments. That one's pretty high for me. I have only, <laughs> I've I don't like to be the guy that goes back and deletes tweets, but I that one's uh, looking back and then seeing that No Tail was a repeat repeat offender. I don't know if that's yeah. the hill I want to die on. Uh, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, fellas. <laughs> you know that's the great thing about humans. We have the ability to acknowledge our faults and improve for the future. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll always uh, appreciate anybody who has the confidence to be able to go out there and knowing that they're going to get a lot of shit for it, support whatever ideals that they're looking to uh, support. Yeah, I didn't see so any retweets that on that where... Loop Bet Freya Stein article, Cap. What do you think about that one? Huh? What's that You didn't one? see that blog that I wrote about Loot Bet promoting their service through Freya Stein's pornographic videos on Pornhub? Oh, buddy, I got a blog link for you. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> This what is like my is most this? prized work outside of my book, dude. This took me hours. <laughs> I have not heard about this. What? Okay, I need to do a better job marketing my work. I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, How Loot Bet Uses Pornhub to Promote Betting on Dota 2. I wrote a blog, and there are screenshots. I uh, contacted Freya on Twitter. I got a little quote from her and everything. They uh, were doing... They're Basically, the TLDRs are doing product placement videos on Pornhub, where... Uh, Freya is the, the whole plot of the video is who to bet on and it started because this is a Midas mode video that they're watching and um, yeah so so, there, so wait 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 is this a different video than the one with Rich yes there are multiple okay. so I, I've opened up the can of worms there's a whole rabbit hole here Rich was the first that we realized but there's a whole bunch of these so do you think that this happened organically the first time and they were like, oh, shit, see what happens 
when like so. not necessarily with loop bet, but like some different like live stream fails or something like that. Rich might have legitimately been the first. Now I've done a lot of research. I've watched the Rich video in full, and <laughs> I don't think there's any product placement. I don't think there's any reason to believe there's foul play. I think they might okay. have just been horny Dota fans okay. <laughs> making a video while the major was on. But but then that right, blows up, and then yeah. they're like, oh shit. So it's genius marketing from Lootbet. And when I discovered this, I like kind of didn't know what to do about it. And I PM'd Freya saying, hey, it's pretty obvious there's a Lootbet ad. And as you see in the before and after picture, I noted that it changes. Like, wow, look at your 200 euro bonus deposit. If you Like, there's no way that's an accident. Like, they just happen to be using Lootbet while they're having sex. Get the fuck out of here. So I didn't expect her to reply. And she goes, oh, yeah, no. They totally paid me to do that. That was the whole idea. We only filmed that video because Loopbet paid me. I got nothing to hide. I don't give a shit. And Loopbet didn't respond for comment at all. They were like, oh. So my whole angle was that, like, I don't know. It's a little manipulative not to even put a hashtag ad anywhere. I feel like I mean, this isn't filmed in America, so you don't have to abide by that new policy we have. But this is a little manipulative. It's like subliminal messaging. God but damn. That is some of the best investigative journalism I've seen in esports. Well done, Andrew. <laughs> Holy shit. Thank you. Yeah. That's oh great. <laughs> you reminded me because Scant messaged me after I posted that. He was very proud. He also liked that his tweet triggered the whole thing. But uh, mm. yeah, he, he thought it was a nice piece. How did, uh, how did he find the video in the first place? I have no idea. I didn't ask him. <laughs> I, I'm going to circle back around and ask him that. So, and that's the thing, that if you go on Freya Stein's Pornhub account and you search Dota 2 for like the tagged videos, she has many videos tagged for Dota. The famous one is her at Epicenter, where she gives the guy a blowy in the bathroom oh, after walking yeah. around the venue. You've probably seen that one. It's, it's a classic. Uh, but this specific video actually is not tagged with Dota at all. It's just, it's all like they tried to make it seem like, no, Dota's not even a part of it. It doesn't pop up in any Dota searches. It's, they tried really hard to make it look like organic betting. Which okay, is, so do you think the Epicenter one was? Like, uh, when you say she tags Dota a lot, like... So I think that she realized that was a way to get clicks and that people okay. will, like, you know, her videos will go viral if you title it Blowjob at Dota 2 Tournament. Normie's like also go. I gotta see this. What a Dota toot! Uh, was I there? Was somebody getting a blowy in the the stall next to me? Ah, oh, because we're all fucking narcissists, dude. If our voice is in a porn video, you know we're clicking on that shit and tweeting about it. It's it's a genius marketing tactic, and I think she leveraged that. I don't know who started it, her or loot bet, but either way, it's a genius promotion. There's who's putting Dota into their Pornhub search is. A different question that I want to know. Now, I don't know, but I'm about to. Dude, if I have the opportunity to jerk off to the sound of my own voice. There you go. Now, Overwatch taking porn, it. there are a lot of diva videos out there. Let me tell yeah. you. There's, uh, What's there's the, the related <laughs> suggestions went crazy once my search history started filling up with Pornhub uh, Dota gotta, 2. Gotta <laughs> yeah, so um, diva, I, anyway, I I'm sure Lupet was happy. I think my article just gave them a bunch of free promotion. So, and then they sponsored the uh, last BTS event, which was even even better. Blowjob at Dota <laughs> Two tournament, nine hundred and ninety-one thousand views, seventy-seven percent yeah, likes. Man. Well, there there is a lot bunch of, of setup in that fans. video. Yeah, a good fifty percent of it is her just walking around the venue. So the the poor souls on Pornhub for the sole intention of watching pornography uh, were probably watching that video. Like, what the fuck is this? Are you just uploading vlogs now? Is this a diary? Why do I care? 
I don't care where you got, how you got to the place you're giving a blowjob. I just want to see the blowjob. God damn it! Arrive There's no story the build up here. <laughs> now I can appreciate a story. <laughs> I I did really appreciate her candor though. She was just like, oh, it was like a no big deal. Just like, oh wow, you like my videos? Well, thanks, man. Yeah, I got paid to do that. It's a cool job. All right, see you later. I asked her if she wanted to be on the podcast, and she said uh, she wasn't confident enough in her English to do a live, live, inter- live video interview. But I tried. I, I went there. What a shame. Well, now I completely ruined my internet search history. For yes, that that will happen. Um, I have a yes. That's the first time that Joey's ever put in something not safe for work on his computer. <laughs> that's true. I am a I am a holy man. This laptop is for nothing but work and research. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you guys, since Cap uh, padded my ego a little bit for highlighting my journalistic skills here. I had a thought when I was driving today. Do you guys know Athene, the best paladin in the world? Yes. Uh, I know know him because, not for that, but I know because he used to be really popular and now he has a cult or something. Yes. Or something (laughs) is the key part. I want to know what that or something is. Do you think that... We could get some crowdfunded money to hire me a video camera guy and I can go join the cult and do some investigative journalism because I really want to know what's going on over there. And like well, I was joking about it on Twitter like two years ago. And you know, his assistant guy, Reese, I DM- he DM'd me and said, well, what do you want to know about the compound? And I was just like, all right, this already got way too real. I was, I kind of want to know, but I don't want like they were ready to Would you like me, to visit? I'd, so you want to come to Germany? Yeah. And I, 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 I'm just curious if you guys have any information that I don't. What is it actually a cult or are we just being insensitive and throwing the C word around? <laughs> I don't know if it's a cult, but I do know Cunt, that Not this, cult. Th- this sounds like a Quibi show. Like, like we should be pitching this to someone. <laughs> Dude. It's well, there's already an hour and a half long YouTube video investigating Athene, the YouTuber who started a religion. So, but I think that I watched a little bit of that video. I didn't finish it. Okay. It's on my li- my watch list. I think. Um, I think that's most of the buildup to getting to where he is now. It's my understanding that video doesn't have a lot. Like, I want actual confirmation. The last stream I saw from him was when World of Warcraft Classic launched, and they did a 24-hour stream and showed a bunch of the old footage that they had recorded that's not on YouTube anymore and talked about how they filmed it and why it went so viral. And it was cool because it kind of felt like a theme behind the mask a little bit, but he also had a big... I got got cult vibes. I'm not going to lie. You ever see that Netflix show Kumare? It's a documentary. It's, it's really weird. It's about this guy. He wants to prove that cults are bullshit. So he's an Indian guy, and he grows a long beard and basically starts role-playing as a guru and gets like 15 people to follow him for this completely made-up religion. And then at the end of the documentary, he reveals it to him and says, yeah, I'm just a normal guy. I wanted to prove to you guys that it's all self-help. You did everything yourselves. I'm full of shit. And half of them were like, wow, it's really cool. And half of them were like, fuck you. You're a piece of shit. But I got very similar vibes. You know, the way the Kumare guy talked, the way Athene talked, he's got his little assistant there, and she's just agreeing with everything that he says. I It made me curious. I want to go so bad. Cap, you ready for an adventure, bud? You trying to go to Berlin? <laughs> Dude, I'm not trying to, like, get brainwashed. I feel well, like once you go into that compound, you're not getting out. Well, I don't know, dude. It's a, it'll be a resistance thing. We can We can ride or die. We'll go in together. And we'll play the part, and if one of us goes too deep, you know, I need you to give me the slap and wake me up, and vice versa, I'll give you the slap back to reality. 
We'll have some emergency <laughs> buttons so the camera crew can come to get us out if we get stupid Yeah, tests. Yeah, what happens if they see that slap and they're like, ah, oh, <laughs> these people well, are clearly in the need of re-education. Lock them in the basement. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're a commentator. I'm sure you can come up with something <laughs> on your feet. Talk, talk your way out. Man, now my search history is really ruined between Pornhub and Athene. I, I got to finish that little mini doc. Maybe that's what I'll dive into tonight. But I'm genuinely curious because Athena is one of the first gaming personalities I was aware of because I played World of Warcraft. I, I didn't understand his videos were memes back then. I thought they were real. So I, I have vivid memories of, of watching his content. And it's I also remember watching his cryptocurrency thing. Then that was painful. They were doing. The, what was he doing with that? They were trying to do a universal basic income coin, but they were doing a. They got banned from Twitch because they were doing that show, and they were skirting all the laws by saying, "No, we're not a security because there's no rules. We're just making it up as we go. If you donate money, you might get some coins. You might not. You know, we're just playing with a fake economy here. You can't. St-. You know, they got real technical with it, and eventually Twitch was just like, "Yeah, we don't want your shitty QVC infomercial for your butt coin on our platform. Sorry, guys." Yeah, I've, been I've ever told either one of you guys the uh, my World of Warcraft story. I didn't no? know you you played World. I guess not. Are you a WoW okay. gamer? I haven't told it on the podcast, right, Joey? No, I don't think so. Okay. So uh, I was only briefly into WoW. Um, I got into it like right when it came out, um, about a month or two after it came out. My birthday was there. And so I got World of Warcraft and a uh, three-month subscription or something to WoW. Um, but I didn't really have any friends who played uh, these games. In fact, I didn't, I've, I didn't have online friends yet. Uh, I had not gone into that world yet. So I was playing World of Warcraft entirely by myself. Now, the first character that I started was a female night elf um, uh, hunter. And... The, the reason I did that was because I was like 12, 13, and my older cousin told me when we were playing like Baldur's Gate on the PlayStation or some shit, it was like, um, you know, always pick the female character, right? Because if you're going to be watching an ass, like for the next like 10 hours, it might as well be an ass you're attracted to. And that, of course, made a lot of sense to, to 12, 13-year-old me. And I was, you know, I was, thought it was she so cool. Purple. Of course, yeah. She's, <laughs> she's got that ass. Uh, I'm picking that character. I'm going to look at her all night. Uh, and so I, that's what I played. Um, and I grinded WoW. Uh, it was terribly boring. Jesus Christ. Vanilla WoW by yourself is awful. I got to like level 20, 25, something like that. Took a really long time. Uh, but I was finally beginning to make some online friends. I was making some friends here or there. I finally got into a guild. I was occasionally, like, only through, like, text and stuff, but, like, I was occasionally joining into raids and stuff. Like, I was barely tipping my toe into that. And people were helping out. They were really nice and friendly. They were uh, giving me, like, some extra, extra like, loot. You could give, could you give loot or could you only give gold to You people? could give some items. The good, the good ones are bind on pickup, but there were some, like, BOE, bind on equip items you could give people. Okay, so I, I was getting some stuff like that, but I was also getting gold. Uh, I remember that, and I was like, man, everyone's so nice and friendly. Uh, and there was one guy in particular who was, who was being very helpful and really nice. And uh, at some point in time, I still have this like in my memory of like the kind of the place I was standing on this path where uh, you know he was giving me more gold, and then he starts, he just 
out of almost nowhere, it felt like he gave me some gold and then he starts sexting me. Nice. And and I, I'm like 12, 13 year old. And I just like, I don't know what to do. And I'm just like, wait, cool. Stop. Uh, and, and I tell him like, I'm a guy. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you gay? Why are you playing a female character? I did not know that I was on a role playing server. Ah, I had no idea. Ah. So all of these people that were so nice and friendly to me, they thought I was a girl because I was on a role-playing server playing a female character. Oh, and, no. and all those guys just wanted to bang me. And so I quit playing WoW immediately and I never went back. Oh, my. <laughs> Dude. That's, that's my a, vanilla WoW experience. That's an easy mistake to make. I only know because I played with a group of people who told me about PvP servers and RP servers. But WoW Classic RP was so big because if you weren't into it, you could just go play on the normal server. So it was only people who were like, I'm on the RP server because I take <laughs> RP very seriously. So you are dealing with like some real try-hard gamers, and that's uh, condolences, man. That's You were scarred for life. Little 12-year-old guy. So, I, didn't know you so I never went back to I WoW. I don't have one of those. I don't know. Oh, I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> yeah, let me, sh- let me shove my dick through your boobies or something like that. I was just like, ah, what's going on? <laughs> no. And your mom's never going to let you have internet friends again because she think everyone's a pedophile. You're just... Oh, I never told her that. I never told her that story. Oh, God. That's incredible. You know, I did... Um, I met a girl on World of Warcraft that we ended up living together for like multiple years. She lived in Florida and I lived in New Jersey. We met on World of Warcraft, hit it off, and we lived together in a serious relationship for like two years before we broke up and went our separate ways. You believe that shit? I met somebody twice before signing a year lease with them. Holy shit. I was just graduating high school. I was a freshman in, in uh, college. I didn't have a lot of money. We met right after I graduated in July. And then she came to visit again in August. And we signed a lease at the beginning of September. You just like diving into things. Dude, I that- was crazy. <laughs> As a young lad, uh, it's looking back, saying that out loud is it's not even a brag. It's just like a goddamn dog. You didn't get killed. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm it, happy it worked out fairly well. I'm happy you're alive, dude. Yeah. Like, no, it was one of those weird, like neither of us were really looking and we just sort of started chatting and it was just World of Warcraft happened to be the medium that we were talking on. And it was just a weird cosmic thing that it. I think both of us were nervous to get catfish. I've never... That might be the most nervous I've ever been in my life. You're waiting at the airport, hoping this person shows up and it's not a dude or somebody that looks completely different or whatever it is. You're just standing there pacing back and forth like, is that her? Is that her? Is anybody with the right colored hair? You're just like, huh? Making that face of... Yeah. Oh, oh not you. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh, and you get there early, you know, because you don't want to be fashionably late for your first meeting, first impressions or everything. You're standing there. Ah. Oh. Ah, to be young. But it all worked out. She showed up. You guys met each yeah. other. My parents she looked were out of town. how you expected her to look. Yeah, she, my, the first time we met, uh, it was that April. So, okay, we met three times. I'm sorry. So uh, that April, the first time she came, it was right, right around April Fool's Day, I remember. My parents were out of town. She came and visited for a long weekend. It was a little awkward, but pretty cool. But uh, got a taste. And then by July, it was pretty serious. And then come August... We, uh, we just moved into each other. Instead of a dorm, I was moving into an apartment. How long did that last for? 
We lived together. It was less than two years, like a year and eight months or something like that. So it was for that age, you know, 18, 19. That's a pretty good run. It just it didn't work out. We were young and, you know, college students, probably too much drinking, not enough maturity. What are you going to do? But still, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been three months. Of my, I remember my parents were looking at me as I was signing that lease, just like, now you're fucking sure. We're not going to be getting a phone call. At, you fucked up here, right? Because, you know, this is a, a commitment. I know you don't really understand what commitments are, but you're making one right now, motherfucker. And it again, it, it could have been a lot worse. That's high risk, high reward, man. I think your, your parents are cool enough to even do that. I, I think that, uh, God, my mother would murder me. Yeah, she would absolutely. She'd be like, "You're just not doing that." I'm like, "Why?" She's like, "You're not doing it." I was just weirdly confident and a little too articulate, and just like being able to look my dad in the eye, be like, "Dad, we're fucking in love, all right? We're in love, and we're gonna move in together. So can we make this happen, or do I gotta go rogue on this shit?" I was such an awful kid to deal with because I would immediately go to these. Well, I got all A's, so you can't tell me when to go to bed. What else is the bedtime for if I'm staying awake in school? What's up, bitch? You know, I immediately would jump to these ultimatums that were like, well, yes, I, I guess that is. It's easier for me to just walk away than deal with this. So I, <laughs> that was my poor parents. I want to hear They're the both veterinarians, of- too, so they work way too fucking much. By the time they had to deal with me at the end of the day, they were like, you know what, dog? Fucking whatever. <laughs> I, I want to I hear your dad going back and be like, so you're so in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have, have that work out, son. I mean, to be fair, two years at eighteen. That is a yeah. That is a pretty serious relationship. It was. It was a proper arc. It wasn't disingenuous. We really were in love. It was hot and heavy, and it wasn't just like uh, oh, we're looking for a connection in a month. In it was. It was a slow deterioration. It was after a year and a half. You really learn a lot about each other, and you either decide, yeah, we're a good match. We're moving on and buying a house, or you realize, eh. We weren't as good of a match as we thought we were. That's cool. I like you. You like me. But let's just move on and do other stuff. And that was kind of the way it went. So as far as relationships go, that's a fairly normal bell curve, I'd say. Did you have My, any uh, pressure growing up with uh, smart parents? Probably more than I realized. I don't know. I work my, so my mom owns like a veterinary practice. So I spent a lot of time working at her practice as a kid. So hmm. I... You know, I, I worked early and like it, there's a lot of responsibility. You know, you're in like the surgical room and you're not supposed to touch shit. And you got to like for a kid, it takes a lot of discipline to be in that environment and not get yelled at. So um, there probably was. But I think they beat it out of me proverbially, proverbially, <laughs> proverbially pretty, uh, pretty quickly. I remember being like six years old and we aborted a pregnant cat. So there's like a Ooh. uterus with like five cat fetuses. I remember my mom handing me the scalpel and saying, Hey, do you want to have some fun? I was just like, what do you mean? She was like, do you want to do an autopsy on these dead kittens? And I remember being like, not really, but you seem really excited about it. So I guess I'll try. And I was just oh sitting in God. the corner cutting up cat fetuses. Just, oh, no. just checking them out. And my parents were like, this is, see, you got a front row seat in science, dude. Look at this. You're going to be ahead in anatomy class like 10 years from now. You're going to be looking back like, I already know what's in the cat. And I'm just sort of sitting there like... Okay, I'm making you proud, huh, Mom? Wow, look, I cut this cat's leg off. <laughs> I feel like oh. there's inherently something wrong with that. Like the assumption that you wanted to know what was inside the cat. Like that's just something we walk around with. What's inside the cat? I need to know. I remember her only instructions were, be careful not to cut yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good advice, but like, you know, so 
there probably was some pressure there, but young age, I just dove in. You know, I learned how to deal. I didn't enjoy it, though. I did not like examining the cat fetuses. I was just confused. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) Sounds awful. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds pretty miserable. So many dead dogs. Wait, so wait, have you ever owned a cat? Oh, yeah, sure. We had a lot of cats growing up. Okay. We, uh, we've always had a lot of pets with too many dogs. And I moved out of my mom's. When I moved into the BTS house, I left a house with three people, including myself, and I think 12 dogs, something like that. Oh, that's... And they were all many. little. It was oh. an army of these little spaniels. It was awful. It was terrible. They said they know when they're not stupid. They see the numbers. They can kind of count. There are there's a couple of you and there's I don't know a fuckload of us. So rah, 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 we want it now. And once you give in once, you wake up when the dogs wake up. You feed the dogs when the dogs bark, and you go to bed to the dogs barking and biting each other. It was, it was a dog household. I was I was ready to get out. It's uh, yeah. We I feel like it makes it worse the fact that you owned cats, and then had and then performed an autopsy on a cat. Well, so think about this, right? How many veterinarians do you know that are also vegan or vegetarian? It's not that many. Oh, really? Every veterinarian I know eats meat. (laughs) So there's some compartmentalization that's happening there, Mm. for sure. Um, And I've always struggled. I haven't quite had the gall to ask my parents directly about it. I've asked my dad a little bit, but he always gives me sort of a lame answer, just like, that's just what you do. Okay, dad, cool. You just... You don't give a fuck about cows, but cats are sacred. Uh, what? Where do we draw the lines here? So you're saying Hannibal Lecter is actually more expected than people should think. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't know, man. But it's a being a veterinarian is a tough gig right now in America. Be if you've got a pet, be nice to your veterinarian. They need it. It's a, it's almost as expensive as medical school, and you make way less money, and it's a shitload of pressure. People adopt animals. They've got no means to take care of them. Who do you think they get mad at when the animal dies prematurely? It's always the veterinarian's fault. It's a tough job, dude. It's hard. Isn't there a sense of... I, I, I remember reading this somewhere that, like, the veterinarian school is, like, the backup for when you don't make medical school. Is that... How true is that? Mm, I don't think that's true. I think most people I, okay. go down the vet path. I hear that about dentists and podiatrists. Is uh, that, all right, yeah, you fucked up being a general practitioner, so now you got to focus on feet. We're going to relegate you to just the bottom of the foot. Uh, <laughs> or just teeth. Started. You can't really fuck that up too much. I think most people that go to vet school do it because they have some sense of wanting to help animals. That's generally where okay. a lot of it stems from, whether it's on the research side, a surgery side. And one of the things that's really tough is that it's, you know, it's a big commitment. It takes a lot of years. It's expensive. It's a lot of data. It's very stressful. And I think a lot of people go into it thinking, I'm just going to focus on animals. I'm not a people person, so I want to be a veterinarian. And then you start practicing and you realize, yeah, animals can't speak. So you have to deal with all the dipshit owners that are telling you what the symptoms are on behalf of their dog. So it's actually more human interaction than it is animal interaction. And for people getting into it because they're a little shy or introverted and only connect with the animals, it's a really rude awakening when you have these really angry folks. The social media age has not been good for the veterinary industry. It's a... I mean, it's a very emotional thing. It makes sense. People are very connected to their animals. It's difficult. There's a lot of good information and misinformation out there. And when things don't go perfectly, perfectly according to plan, people blast their veterinarians. You know, you see it on Facebook and stuff all the time. Just, oh, they killed my dog. And it's like, they, they're not in the business of killing dogs. They don't do that. But, you know, it always comes out that way. And there's, that's hard to compartmentalize, yeah, I, I bet think. if you that look sense at, of like, guilt. 
the average doctor review on Elp versus versus like the aggregate veterinarian review on Yelp. Like they're way more polarized and negative. Because I I yep. think I've only ever been to the vet with my dogs when like something is very wrong. It's not like you're a right. human and you just go for checkups or like oh hey I broke my finger like I'm not gonna die. Right. If you go to the vet, it's like well something pretty bad might or may not happen. Yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's perfectly accurate. And it's easier to get a dog than it is to have a kid. You know, if you have a kid or something, it's like there's a whole plan and a strategy. There's a lot of information. You can just, you go to the pound. They give you a fucking dog. There's no background check. Like, you want it? We can get it the fuck out of here. We're at capacity. Please take this. You don't have to know anything or have any real sense of responsibility, and they'll give you an animal, and then someone's got to deal with it. Did your parents... So did your parents ever use any of their like pseudo or their not pseudo? That's that's insulting. Their medical knowledge to like stitch <laughs> to like stitch you up when you were a kid or something. N- no, uh, well, uh, probably, but no, um, no, not really. They they're uh, they don't have the confidence. I, I think if it were like a true emergency, absolutely. You know, if you're like in a car accident, it's like all right, we got to do something here. Sure, you know, a lot of the stuff's the same, but I think there's it's just like. Uh, the liability and lack of confidence. Once you get into your own head with that stuff, it gets really scary. You know, you, you can't be self-conscious when you're sewing somebody up. You got to really feel like you're own in the process, if you know what I'm saying. So, Joey, are you just referencing Better Call Saul or what? <laughs> no, no, what I'm do you not. mean? I, I know, I know, like, uh, I, I... Oh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that happens, but... Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that well, happens all the time, right? I'm not are you familiar time. with the party drug ketamine? <laughs> Special K. Is that, is that the one if for you horses? Will. So it's it's called a horse tranquilizer. I don't know where the fuck that came from. It's just it's an animal tranquilizer. They give it to if you like have your cat get declawed. I know unethical and inhumane, but that's like one of the painkillers they use for it. It's perfect for animals because it knocks them out and it makes them paralyzed. So for a horse, it's they're a lot easier to deal with if they can't fucking move. So it started as a veterinary drug, and a lot of it that was mixed into the party supply was coming from veterinary ho- veterinary hospitals, whether it be stolen or from you know crooked doctors writing scripts or whatever. It was not a human drug for a long time. Now they're testing it for PTSD and de- chronic depression and all this other shit, but that's a really weird one that was kind of uniquely positioned as a veterinary thing. So you're saying it's more realistic for these veterinarians to be having a side job of being drug dealers rather than sewing up drug dealers. Uh, Probably, yeah, I don't know. It took me a second to get that Better Call Saul reference. I don't know. If you were a veterinarian, I don't know why you would want to do that. It doesn't seem like it's worth it at all. Somehow. Yeah, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I don't know how we got on this tangent, but be nice to your fucking veterinarian, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, Zuri, you you've now been on our podcast, and even though you were later than Trent, you were the better guest. You can oh. tell him that. Wow. All right, real quickly, thank you to all of you guys who are watching on YouTube, Sidepole Podcast on Blink Entertainment, and all of you guys who are listening to the podcast on your various podcast platforms. We do really appreciate it. All of your viewership is awesome. But if you want to thank us for putting on such a great show, what you can do is uh, leave us an iTunes review. That is actually the best way to help out the podcast is to leave an iTunes review. Rate it whenever you feel like your heart says you should rate it. And if we read your review on the show, we uh, you will get a free arcana of your choice from Leaf Eater. Uh, and the... 
the one from this week is Terry Flores, who said, a great new take, a little dry out there in the Dota 2 podcast scene. I really like the new take on what you guys are doing. Thank you, Terry Flores. Be sure to contact Leaf Eater at Leaf Eat or as in O-R, not E-R at the end. Contact him and hit him up about your new, fresh, shiny new arcana. Okay, thanks, guys. Back to the show. Don't include this, Joey. You piece of shit. I'll fucking kill you. I, will. I have a quick question about you. Can you hold you guys podcast over. with him after the whole bulldog thing or before? After? After. Did you guys after. talk about it? A little bit. We I referenced think. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I keep making fun of him about it, and I can't tell how sensitive he is. But in my mind, this is like his sniff sniff, and I have to, I've had to live through like five oh, yeah. years of assault. And now, like, every time we post a, a VOD, you know, the comments are like, Trent, I'm shaking. People in Twitch chat, anytime he shows up on camera, Twitch chat just blows up. Bulldog hosted the BTS stream when we were casting the other day, and it was... I was getting flashbacks to the sniff sniff level of vitriol where they it's just they see your name and go ah oh, oh there he is <laughs> yell the line that we're supposed just to yell the thing. when you see him because I found him that's him and it's I feel a little bad poking fun but I also feel just like oh now you finally got a taste of crossing the line big dog I'm know. just I, curious if you guys got any intel about that. I feel like it's almost a badge of honor if you have someone as shitty as Bulldog's audience like making fun of you. Like that's fine. If you had normal people making fun of you, then like whatever. <laughs> like that, that that might hurt. But but them like I don't know. I feel like yeah. A lot I of think folks after that episode, on this depends on their relationship with Bulldog. So this is also yeah. a calibration test here. No, no, no. After that episode, there's definitely no more Bulldog fans here in our show. So. Oh, I see. Which gotcha. is fine. And there might not be any now. So, so yeah, sorry. we did have that conversation a decent <laughs> I amount. See. But. Okay. I see. Something about the way Bulldog says stuff that's supposed to be angry and intimidating, it makes me laugh. The clip of him watching it where he's just like, you know what, Trent? Don't ever talk to me in person at an event again. And just the way he said it, I'm like, yeah, that's really specific. Okay, if we're ever in the same spot ever again, I won't talk to you, bud. Okay, it's just like, not like I'm going to kick his ass. or You know what? If I see you... I'm gonna walk away. All right. Good talk. Uh, it just cracks me up. Uh, as a spectator, I it's want been the, fun to watch that train wreck. I want the TI series where you get like rich to sit down and have like a Barbara. Uh, I was gonna say Streisand. That's the wrong Barbara. Barbara Walters interview with with oh. Trent and Bulldog, and see how like oh. uncomfortable they can make it. Like, someone take that. Now take that's that slacks. Fire content. You right can do that with more people too. Like, who else hates each other? I'm sure we can dig up some rivals. There are definitely some really good combos, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know what's public or not. What's <laughs> so like a really over. public combo? There's got to be somebody with Envy, right? Yeah, God. I don't know. Envy's recent teams have been so awful that I feel like he's starting to lose some of that same enviness. Cloud9, what's their competitive record as a team? 2-25 and 25 or something? Hey, man, they. I think they're like 5-30 and 30 or something. <laughs> No, they beat the. Uh, they they um, they did not embrace the meme three two two. I remember they got uh, they got like, up to four wins. It was like four twenty one is what they were at. For yeah, something like that. So so I'm all that is to say I just don't remember Envy's beefs. It's been a while since there was a good like Envy drama that wasn't just a lame meme. I don't know. Surely Peter hates someone for no good reason, right? 
Uh, I'm sure there's some, there might be Peter beef. I'm sure there's some EG beef somewhere in there. Oh yeah, like, that remi- we, never, uh, we never got to the topic, but I was curious what you guys thought about uh, both Universe and PPD retiring slash is NA Dota fucking dead? That's a bellwether that there's going to be no TI proper this year, I think. <laughs> because I think yeah. that they would have both stayed in to like potentially, they're both in DPC contention currently, right? So like why retire when you can just do that in four months from now and get a TI payday? That is an angle I hadn't considered. I, uh, as far as I know, I don't think there's anybody on the inside, like players or talent that know the fate of TI, but I think it's pretty obvious at this point, like TI is not going to happen in a traditional way. So it would not surprise me if they just kind of like took that and just was like, well, do I really want to like keep playing for another, like say it happens just later, like six to eight months for the next TI? Do I do I wait until the next TI? Do I go for a player for another year and, and some months when your heart's just not in it? I mean, doesn't the story of J-Storm just break your heart? Aren't you sitting here waiting for the fear retirement announcement now? J-Storm hemorrhaging money month after month to keep this org alive. <laughs> They're barely on the cusp for qualifying for TI. Not a lock. They need to make a run at another one of these events that's been mysteriously canceled thanks to the virus. No idea if they're even going to make it to TI, if TI is going to exist, if these DPC points will translate to anything. Now they're playing without a sponsor. No salaries. They're goddamn business associates. They're not even friends. Like, And this is, this is what, a top five team in NA right now? This is what we're working with? That's the current... If Evil Geniuses ever exits Dota for some mysterious reason, NA Dota is actually dead. You, uh, has that story been told, the, the, the reason of their name, Business Associates? Do you know that? I've heard that story somewhere along the way. So if you guys haven't heard it, it's basically uh, Moo was uh, talking to Fear uh, early on during the, the team days. And uh, he said something like, you know, like, hey, you know, we're, we're friends, right? And, and Fear just straight up was like, I don't know about friends, more like business associates. <laughs> like, the most damn, fear, that's ever. cold. Dude, that is so fear. Yeah. I, I'm not like friends with him or anything, but my interactions with him, that is that sounds exactly like fear. I like that they embraced it, though. Like, they turned it into a meme. They yeah. dressed like fucking PUBG characters at the last <laughs> land they attended. And, and I'm sure, like, some of them are probably friends now. I, yeah. I don't have to guess. But that was early on in the team days when they didn't really like interact that much yet. But so could you imagine the mental perspective of that team though? You go from having a salary to no backing at all. You're the same team, but you're not performing in events, but you can't break up or shuffle because you don't know what that means for this DPC run that could be a game changer for you individually. They're like stuck in limbo. How do you stay motivated with that current state of affairs? Like, all right. Let's just keep playing. Now we own our own organization, guys. Isn't this fun? They but now we're money. owners. Everyone I think that's, uh, that's a mentality that has definitely changed over time. That uh, I feel like as players get older and these players, like there's not as much of a new player base, uh, more of these players are just playing just to like, just to kind of keep it going, whether they've already had success, such as Snowtail. And he straight up said like, well, I've already accomplished everything. Like, there's not a whole lot to go on. It just more has to do with trying to, like, help my team get more. Uh, and then, like, these other players who glory days were much longer in the past, and they're just kind of, like, 
keeping it going. It felt like like two, three years ago is ruthless. You know, we're playing only for TI. It doesn't matter if we're already qualified for TI. We're playing to actually get first to TI. And and nowadays it feels like that's kind of let up a lot more. And it feels like there's definitely some teams that are like just kind of holding on just because, oh, we're, we're going to make TI. And if we make top eight, that's great. There's money on the table maybe. So, you know, why say no to that? Are are leagues going to save it? So I don't want to eat up too much of your time, but I'm I'm curious if you guys are positive or negative on the divisions and leagues. Like the, who are the eighth through sixteenth teams in North America that we're going to get to watch every (laughs) other night competing for all this prize money? Like you're going to watch me. I'm going to. We're going to play veggies, dude. Veggies is a legit top sixteen team in North America, right? Am I crazy? Like. Uh, is this I, enough to save us? I mean, 16th. Same yeah. with South America. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a step. It's nice. But did anybody even bid on South America? Do we have confirmation that anybody wants to fork up the cash to, to produce these events? As far as <laughs> oh, I understand it, the, yeah. the demand for uh, these majors and minors um, has actually always been high. Yeah. As in, like, they've always had people filling out those slots. And from what I understand, the leagues are not different, though obviously South America and Southeast Asia probably have a lot less. I, what I would imagine is if there was nobody, they would just package it in, right? Yeah. Oh, you want to cover North America? Well, guess what? You're going to do South America too, you know, yeah. or something like that. But And I, I toggle it both ways where it's not a huge amount of money as you have to fork up 140 grand basically as a, a fee to, to play, and then you have to cover all the production costs on top of that. That's not that much money in a traditional broadcast sense, but in a Dota sense, it's like, okay, well, what are the eyeballs? I mean, legitimately, what do you think the viewership is going to be yeah. like for the lower yeah. division in North America? Fucking awful. 2K Garbage. concurrence? I mean, do you guys remember uh, that final, the final few heats of Midas Mode NA with Anver Gesa versus JStorm? I mean, Midas Mode had 5K concurrence, 4,500. No one cares. Just no one wanted to watch the teams. They're like, yeah, this is a cool event, but I don't, I'm not invested in these players. I've got no interest here. And like, we didn't think the viewership would be good, but we were stunned by those numbers. So you take that element away. Where do you make that 140 grand back? I'm happy with the leagues, though, just because I feel like that means more talent work. 100%. Oh, yeah. That's what I heard a lot of tier two and tier three talent very worried that all the tier one talent would cast all the games. I was like, guys, there's not enough hours in the day. (laughs) It's not. Trust me. This is great news. This is the best news for tier two Dota talent in the last like half decade since the advent of Dota TV, dare I say. Somebody literally uh, asked me like uh, a month ago or two months ago uh, about like this very subject of like I'm tier three, tier two. Like, what do you think I should do? Should I give this up? And almost everybody, anybody I talk to, I say, give it up, give it up, give it up. I always tell people that because I feel like it's better for them just to get that cold hard. Like, you just need to stop doing this. They're dead bodies. Uh, Yes, yes, I do. But it's also better for them, right? It's better for me. Like, if they're already dead, like, I don't feel bad about it hopping up yeah. on their dead bodies as opposed to them like barely staying alive limping you know like then that's just it's a moving target at that point in time it's a little bad so i i think it's just better for people just get that that hard like you just need to stop doing it because 
you know, like if you haven't made it yet, you're not going to make it now. It's better for you to not use up that much time. I always tell people go into other games because I feel like that's the best opportunity. But this is the only time that I said, maybe you should wait. Let's Just because how... I feel like the leagues are the opportunity for you. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I agree 100% with everything you just said. I think it's that's one of the hardest things is getting honest feedback. That was one of the greatest gifts LD ever gave me. Honest feedback. <laughs> all the, I'm seriously, though. Like, his ability yeah. to say things that are really harsh in a way that's really nice and constructive is very impressive. He's very, very good at that. And... It takes effort and mental energy to do that, and there's no incentive to do that to people unless you're investing in them or something. And when you're, you know, genuinely tier two, you're like, I think I'm doing pretty good. No one's really going to tell you if you're not because it's easier just to say, Yeah, good job, bud. I saw you were really excited and tried really hard. Great hype casting. It was really exciting. No one's actually going to sit down and give you notes because it's a pain in the ass and it's not fun and it sucks to hurt people's feelings. But you, you got to do it. It's the only way. I feel bad when people have been sort of lied to and propped up like that because nobody wants yeah. to. When I was, they I just end up a wasting a lot of their life with like, uh, with Sheepsticked, Alex, uh, whatever, some online event uh, after Midas mode, and we did like a week of casting together, and you know she was very new to it and trying to decide if it was for her or not, and she said that was one of the things that she hated the most was that everybody could see the Twitch chat being mean to her. So all of her friends and everybody that she respected was just messaging her nice messages to try to keep her from getting demoralized. But internally, she's having this conversation of like, well, I know I'm not good. This is only my 10th hour doing commentary. I know I suck, and I'm not going to get better if you guys just tell me I'm doing really good. So please, tell me, give me a tip. Tell me one thing that I can do better. And it's, it's really hard for people to... They're afraid to be too negative or hurt your feelings, which I understand, but... It's a weird balance with creative and creative work. You're doing people a disservice by just blowing smoke up their ass, I think. All right. We're at an hour and 47 minutes. Sorry, guys. Joe Leon. Rogan's my idol. He does three hours. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> Believe me. I to do a Stern show, so. <laughs> I very much enjoyed this podcast. But I feel like we should probably cut it to a close because yeah. at some point in time, are we going to cut this in two? Probably. What are we going to do? Not. I'll look at it. I have to turn it around for six. I mean, Edger, you may have just saved us. You may have just created two episodes Woo. for us. So, believe me, I'm thankful I live, to you. <laughs> I live to serve, fellas. I live to serve. Yeah, we'll call one of them cutting up cat babies, and the other one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'll figure that one out. Stopping up the dead if corpses you guys of tier can three casters. Help me figure out a way to peer pressure slacks and to finish reading my book on his stream. That oh, he hasn't finished that, huh? Complete. No, motherfucker is so busy. I feel bad because I feel bad and I don't. He looked me in the eye before I committed to finishing that thing. He said, "Buddy, if you do it and you do it right, I will help you promote it, and I I will do an ebook as long as you share some of the royalties with me." And I said, "All right, but I'll give you twenty five percent." And he said, okay, you promise, you promise. And then here we are. And I get that it's you not fun and that he reads like a toddler, but still, <laughs> a promise is a promise. <laughs> I, you know, how, much, how much of the book's left? He's read about a third of it. He stopped before the Sniff Sniff chapter. So he, he read literally the worst third of the book. The first third <laughs> is the slow setup for the normies that don't know anything. So my parents could read it. And if you start with Sniff Sniff, it's just too much too quick. You know, you got to well, ease into it. What was the name of your friend that you had uh, were building? Logan. 
Logan. The, the one with oh, the sexual God. Twitch chat. And Twitch chat and I loved Logan, man. There was oh. some... I will say it was a weird experience listening to him read it. I feel like that's a, gr- a lesson learned for any future books or any potential writers out there. Have Pay somebody to read your book out loud to you. I guarantee it'll sound different than the way you read it to yourself. Because I recorded the whole audiobook, so I've read the whole thing out loud verbatim more than once. It still sounds different when someone else reads it back and you go, ah, yeah, that's not the way I wanted that to sound. Ah, oh, you know, like you just have. I had these moments of physical cringe <laughs> sitting so in my you're chair. You're saying the sexual tension between you and Logan wasn't real? <laughs> it was. Maybe it was more real than oh, I, I no. anticipated. But no, it was not an intentional ploy to be in the book. That was just some of my, I guess, subconscious got trickled <laughs> in there somehow. Um, yeah, but it's. It wasn't even. I don't even care about those ones. Just certain parts where you just like, oh, oh yeah, that was like weirdly personal i don't like the way that reads and it's just it's different when you hear it it reminds me of when you're in a car and you're driving versus being a passenger you just don't retain directions when you're a passenger the same way that when you're driving it's a similar perspective thing you reading your own shit is just different from hearing someone else read it and then interpret it back to you it it's a good a good gut check that i did not do and i probably would have edited a few lines a little bit differently if i had (laughs) Had him read it ahead of time. <laughs> well, l- let me just say, uh, like, it's just my MO with my friends. I do make fun of them. And I make fun of you, Ziori, for some of those things because I do feel like we're friends. But I do respect the hell out of you for having the audacity to, to write a book. Like, I, I would not have the, the courage uh, or just the work ethic to be able to put that together. So, like, I mean, you well got to keep it honest. I, I uh, Thank you. I mean, I honestly believe that you need to surround yourself with people that will challenge you and not blow smoke up your ass and like genuinely say, hey, dude, is this good or does this suck? Because I'm going to be real embarrassed if I think it's good and it sucks and then I share it in front of you know 10,000 people. And that's one of the things I respect about Slack so much that he is always willing to be brutally honest with me no matter what. And we have that ability to be mean to each other but then just laugh it off and go okay thanks i needed that real talk and i've found that that's a rare quality generally speaking yeah if you can find someone who has that creative potential to actually give you feedback like that and be your friend like you got to hold them close because it just make you better yeah yeah exactly so and i think talent work is like that you got to be able to deal with that harsh reality of knowing everything you make could have been better but you have you can't just sit around making everything perfect or else you'll never release anything and that's part of the struggle of doing creative shit so you either get over that or you don't and if you don't then you've probably found another profession for yourself so but, but yeah ri- writing a book was one of those things that i felt like i needed to do to see if i could do it the first one was really hard and if i were to write a second one i would do it very differently but you you can't learn that shit without doing it it's so much different from writing like and in college, you think, oh, wow, a 20-page essay is really long. Hey, shit, dog. That's one chapter. So can we expect uh, Surviving Esports 2 in, Maybe. in I wanna, 10 years? Cap, I want to write something more honest. I feel like a lot of that book, not that it was dishonest, but I tried really hard not to like, I didn't want to talk about party, and I didn't want to get into real talk. I didn't really want to embarrass people. I was reading Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas the other day, and I... Mm. I want to write something raw, dude. I, w- I want to tell the real stories. You know, I, w- I want to talk about some of the binge drinking that happened behind the scenes and led to poor decision making. <laughs> you know, so I, I want to find a way to balance the real scoop without ruining my career. But God damn, there's just so much interesting juice out there that's gone untold. I, I don't know how to balance it, bud. 
Do it in graphic novel form so that I can oh, see there you go. the debauchery. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of different writing styles out there. As I'm reading more, I've come to appreciate that my, my book very much reads too much like a textbook. And I didn't really do that on purpose. I was just worried about it being too outlandish and crazy. So I played it super safe, and it's, it's very informative. This happened. This is how I felt about it. And now I'm telling you about it. That's basic 300 pages of that. That's <laughs> <laughs> and they got to El Paso and there was a stand at the Alamo. And Sniff Sniff saves it. The, the one review that I treasure was from Hotbid where he said, All right, I'm going to be honest, I skipped the first 100 pages because I don't give a shit. But I started reading before Sniff Sniff and I'm not going to lie, dude. When I got to that chapter, I felt captivated. That chapter was truly captivating material. And for somebody like Ken, that is really... I know he reads a lot. He's a very smart guy. That was a compliment that meant a lot because that was like the most personal, heartfelt part of it. And honestly, that was the part I cared the most about. So hearing him say that I could even produce some... I want to write a whole book that's like the Sniff Sniff chapter. I want the whole thing to be captivating, not just two chapters in the middle when I almost ruined my career. <laughs> Slash did for a few years. <laughs> it's fine. You got, you got that time in IT to make up for it now. Yeah. It's really, it was worthwhile. <laughs> well, that did give me the confidence to tell Mott honestly that he could pivot his career. I'm like, dog, you can make it in IT. Trust me. Trust me, dude. You're you're a straight shooter for upper management in that realm. How, how's uh? Have you talked to Mott? I've yeah, we still to live together, all. dude. We're roomies. Oh, you guys are still. Oh, I didn't actually know that you guys. Yeah, still yeah. Live together. I mean, he's working through the quarantine, so that's been a little stressful. But uh, he's doing well. The structure of a. You know how I at the beginning of this podcast talked about how the nine to five ruins me, and I need the variety. Mott uh-huh. is the opposite. It turns out uh. that the up and down roller coaster of esports was having a very negative impact on his life, both professionally, personally, financially, the whole thing. And the stability of the nine to five, the regular paycheck, regular responsibilities, set expectations. He's loving it. He said it's it's really changed his whole mentality around and he needs that structure, you know? I'm I'm really glad to hear that, because uh yeah. it's good. And he's working at the I always hospital feel a little too. bit bad. That, so he's you know, working like, somewhere that it's like he has an impact. You know, he's not just changing yeah. printer toner at some software company. He's actually working on equipment that you know, if this shit goes out. We need it to save lives. It's a little more involved than just the bullshit that I was doing in you know, kind of a corporate so then office. So have you had to become complacent that you just, your corona probability is just through the roof? Uh, it's, well, so we're lucky that we have separate bathrooms. I've, I've invaded the basement and I've taken my own bathroom and that's been a big separation point. So I've, I've felt mm. a little better about it. Um, but Mott's also, dare I say, a little bit of a hypochondriac. So I trust in his... Uh, paranoia about getting <laughs> infected and subsequent activities to prevent infection. Uh, yeah, he coughed like twice. It was just like, I'm getting tested. Like, okay, I'm not going to say you shouldn't, but it's not also not overreact. Sometimes <laughs> allergies, it is spring. You know, yeah, spring. All those other things that were out there still exist, you know? <laughs> so, no, he's doing oh, yeah. well, though. It makes me happy that Mott is uh, still chugging and still gaming. He's playing a lot of Path of Exile. Doesn't play Dota anymore, mm. but he's gone headfirst into pews. Trying to get me to play Call of Duty Warzone with him, and I just said no. No Not interest. Done. But the Sorry, gulag. <laughs> well, All right, boys. Well, this was a lot of fun. I, uh, I appreciate you making two hours of your lives for me to talk about all of my, my deepest and darkest thoughts. I'm going to go watch some Netflix now. I've been binge watching House, dude. Dude, 
You I go. never finished it. You should go. I'm so watch. excited to see how it ends. <laughs> okay, I don't want to spoil it. They do not spoil it, oh. motherfucker! Do not spoil it. I've been suffering through the last three <laughs> seasons of House. Nothing has happened. Him and Cuddy have broken up and gotten back together and broken up again. Lupus. I just want it to end. I'm getting Nurse Jackie vibes. I just want this shit to be over, but I'm so deep. I have to see <laughs> thing, what Jackie, happens at the Nurse end. Nurse Jackie was really good for like a year, but House was never good. So there's like a fucking Christ out there. You should go watch. You should go watch B Stars. It's an anime that might make you realize you're a furry. I'm having some real internal conflict about it. We should stop there. Okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> Wait. It makes you realize. I'm sorry. Did you cut out? Makes you realize you're a what? Furry. Oh, a furry. Okay, oh, that's I what I thought you were going to say. Oh, a furry. A furry. Yeah. No. No. A furry. Okay. Yeah. That gave. That was giving me real furry vibes whenever I saw it on Netflix. So I haven't touched it yet. Oh, you should touch it. You might find something out about yourself. I'm still coming. Uh, to <laughs> Why? No, I've still been. Trying to figure out with furries, it recently came to my attention that it's not always about sex. That's some correct. Peop- yeah, some Most people are just furries. Yeah, that's like a misnomer. Everyone thinks everyone's banging, but only a subset are banging. Most people in the furry community are not about sex. It's actually an incredibly small subset of it. One time for a bit, uh, for a, for a show, I had to try and find a furry costume in Los Angeles, but people are incredibly. Um, protective of, of, of their, their fursuit. They don't want to like rent it out. You can't really just go to like the prop store and right. get one. So mm-hmm. I joined every Los Angeles furry Facebook group to try and get in touch with people who would come and be on the show. And um, sometimes I'm still subscribed to them so I'll be scrolling through Facebook and it's one will just pop up and I'll be like, ah, oh, fuck, I gotta get out of that group. Uh, but yeah, learned a lot about furries. Most of them, not into sex. There's this one furry that we all follow on Twitter. I don't know if you've heard this Slack story. Cap, real quick to end this. There's this one yeah. guy, and Slack's followed him back because he donated or something. And the guy DM'd him right away and said, Hey, I'm into some really weird shit. You probably don't want to follow me. <laughs> and of course, to Slack's, that was a challenge. And he said, Buddy, I've seen it all. There is nothing that you can do that will shock me. Have you ever uh, seen the crossover of furries and diaper things. I don't yes. understand that, the diapers. Like, I, I've, that's really I've nice. seen exactly the profile he's talking. Yes, about. Um, he. I, I agree with the assessment of like you know he's. I got all this normal stuff in my feed, and he, sometimes I just need that snap back to reality where I see a poopy diaper in my Twitter feed <laughs> to remember. Yep, I shouldn't be on my phone right now. I was like, you know, I like that self discipline. We could all learn something from this man. I always admired that level of self-awareness, though. The immediate DM, please don't follow me. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You've got to own your kinks, you know? Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, you do. Sometimes you've got to rent a whole hotel floor out because, well, it's going to happen. Thank you for the time, my friend. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Go and uh, go, go, go look at some furry stuff, everybody. You might be surprised.